the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. to change your attitude, change your life's conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Change makers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. Inner strength is an essential skill that's necessary for carrying out tasks, making decisions, and achieving goals. Without it, it's difficult to start anything, and it's difficult to get to the finish line. Today's guest, Alyssa Aegis, was able to flip Mack truck tires and walk with 300 pounds on her back. She was the strongest she had ever been until her body betrayed her. During the process of rebuilding her strength, she began to wonder, what if strength isn't about how much we can lift? What if it's about how we manage life struggles? Alyssa joins us today to discuss how the pursuit and possession of strength can permeate every aspect of our lives. Alyssa is a journalist, former personal trainer, as well as a strongman competitor, marathoner, triathlete, and occasional rock climber. She's the author of the book, Secrets of Giants, A Journey to Uncover the True Meaning of Strength. Welcome, Alyssa. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. So, Alyssa, as someone who tries to lift weights and isn't very successful at it, I have to ask you, how did you get started being a weightlifter? What was the appeal for you? Yeah, so I think there's value in also just starting with the fact that I was not an athletic kid. Um, so I was not the kid playing 100 team sports. This isn't something that's kind of always been in my blood. Um, in fact, I, for the first probably decade and a half of my life, um, really thought that I was just not good at athletics. I, this was this story that I sort of told myself about my ability. Um, and when I was in my early 20s, I decided on a whim to run a marathon. And for context, um, I couldn't run a mile at this point. So I just decided this was a thing I was going to do. And I really fell in love with the way my body felt when it was moving. And so I kept kind of going to that next extreme thing. So I went from marathons to doing a triathlon, despite the fact that I couldn't really swim a, a solid lap in the pool. Um, and when I finished an Ironman triathlon, I thought, well, okay, I've done that. What's next? And I decided to sign up for a year of uh, hot yoga, which did not go well. I mm -hmm. probably did that for about a month. Um, but again, you know, kind of went into something where it was so out of my wheelhouse. And from there, I found CrossFit. And again, this was not something that I was capable of doing when I walked in there. I, you know, I wasn't a lifter. I had maybe picked up a couple dumbbells in a group fitness class. 
And I absolutely fell in love with the way that my body and my mind felt when I would go into the gym every day and do something that I didn't think that I could do even earlier that morning. Mm-hmm. Um, that sense of accomplishment I got every time I left the gym. And it was for a really long time from just lifting an empty barbell. I didn't put on weight for a long time. Were you always that type of person? Because what you just described, not being a runner or not being able to run a mile or not having experience in certain areas, that usually stops someone from even trying. So why do you think you were able to push through and become an elite athlete in these areas? Yeah. Um, Well, I will start by saying I don't know that I consider myself an elite athlete so much as an amateur athlete who really likes doing this. (laughs) Um, But it was I am um, very inherently stubborn by nature. So as soon as I decide I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it and I'm going to see it through for as long as I possibly can. But this was this kind of whole journey was inspired by. So I mentioned that when I was a kid, I was not really athletic. I have this very core memory of playing Little League Baseball as a kid and never hitting the ball. And so that was what kind of set me for most of my life to say, well, I'm just not athletic. And I was in my early 20s when I found out from my mom that it was never that I it wasn't that I had um, never hit the ball. It was that I never even swung the bat. And it was this kind of, you know, early adulthood realization of, oh, my God, I've just been telling myself this story. Maybe I'm not bad at athletics. Maybe I just was too scared to even try. And from that, I thought, okay, well, I'm going to try absolutely everything that I can. When you were at your peak, what were you achieving? Um, Gosh, I would say, I mean, my peak in endurance was definitely doing the Ironman. But my peak in strength, I want to say I don't know what it is yet Mm -hmm. because I've feel like I just keep working towards getting stronger. I think the the thing I'm the most proud of is that for about eight years of lifting weights, um, I really wanted to pull um, a 300-pound deadlift, um, which for reference is more than twice my body weight. Uh, and I worked towards that goal for eight years, and I finally got it about a year and a half ago in the gym, not in a competition, just on a normal training day. And I was particularly proud of that in part because for a long time I'd seen competition as you know, something where if I didn't do well, then it didn't matter. And so getting that on just kind of a random day in the gym and being able to be proud of that accomplishment was was really meaningful to me on an emotional level as well. So for being someone who had a, a pretty good amount of control over your body and you were basically able to get it to do what you wanted to, you then went through a trauma that you couldn't control. Would you share what happened with our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So I was training for a competition. I was about two years into my strength training journey. um, And I was at my gym with my coach. I was picking up what's called an Atlas stone. It's like this big boulder, basically this big round boulder. And I remember feeling the sense of just overwhelming exhaustion. And it wasn't the kind of tiredness that I was used to from a workout. Um, It was it was something different. And I went home that day. And I just on a on a hunch, I took a pregnancy test, I found out I was pregnant. And then um, three weeks later, I found out that I was miscarrying. And I very quickly went from feeling the strongest I ever had in my entire life to feeling the weakest and the most vulnerable. And like I had lost this sense of trust in my body that, as you said, you know, I was able to kind of say, well, I want you to do this body and it would do that. And I I couldn't make it get pregnant or stay pregnant. Um, And as I went through, you know, the aftermath of the miscarriage and then several months in the fertility clinic trying to get pregnant again, um, one of the things that I did for my health at the time, just mostly my mental health, was I kept returning to the gym and lifting weights. Um, 
And I would find that I would leave those sessions walking a little taller with my shoulders pulled back, with my head held higher, something that didn't happen when I would go for a run. Um, and that was what set me off on the course to kind of to look deeper into the meaning of why, you know, the pursuit and possession of strength is so important in our lives and to understand that it it's not just about how much weight you can lift, but it's about how you learn all of these skills in the gym that you then take to manage the struggles that you go through outside of the gym. How much of the strength that you were utilizing as a weightlifter, how much of that was physical and how much do you now believe was mental? I think so much of it is mental. Um, you know, I mean, on a, on a really literal level, obviously, the stronger that I get, the more that I can lift. But um, one of the things that I did in the journey for this book was I started to work with a performance psychologist because I was positive. I had this fear of failure, this fear of failing when I want to put a weight over my head, right? And when I spoke to her, she said, well, it's not just this kind of, you know, basic fear of failure that people talk about with you. She said, one of the things that you do is you hold yourself back from doing the things you know you need to do to achieve success in a lift because you're scared that if you try, if you do all the right things and you still fail at it, then you have to admit that maybe there's something that you just can't do yet. And that was this really powerful realization for me to go, I have to you know, I'm still kind of not swinging the bat. You know, I have to I have to really put myself out there more and be willing to make those mistakes. Um, one of the most powerful things I've learned in lifting is that failure doesn't make me a failure. Mm -hmm. It gives me an opportunity to go, okay, well, how do I fix this for next time? Do I move my feet in a slightly different place? Do I shift my hands on the bar? And when you learn that in that gym setting where it's kind of controlled and you're putting yourself into those situations where you're going to face failure on a regular basis, that changes the way you see failure and your capability outside of the gym too. So, right. you know, even, even writing this book, there were times where I, I would look at a chapter and go, this chapter is garbage. I have to toss this. I can't, you know, this is terrible. Maybe I'm not a writer. And then to go back and go, no, just because you failed at this one exercise in writing doesn't make you a failure. You know, how can you, how can you go back and look at that and go, well, what if I changed this line here, or this word here or shifted this part of the story around? So it really changes the way you see almost everything else that you're trying to do in life. I hate the word failure because when I started doing this yeah. work, I stepped out of my comfort zone in every aspect of my life. This isn't anything I ever thought that I would be doing. And so when I created this brand, I had to do a radio show. I started to meet these really prominent people. I was doing public speaking um, and, and everything scared me because of that word failure. I thought I would fail. And then I thought to myself, well, what does this word even mean? It, it's so subjective. What is failure? You know, something that just didn't turn out the way I thought it would. And, and you know, like you're saying, it's a lesson. You you adjust the sale, so to, you know, so to speak, like in selling. You adjust it and you figure out what can I do better? What can I learn from this? And you just have to keep putting yourself out there. That's exactly right. And it's, you know, this is one of those things that teaches you about having that growth mindset, right? The difference between thinking my abilities are fixed and this is all that I can do and all I'll ever be capable of and thinking, well, now I have a challenge. I have a problem to solve. And I adopted the saying that this pretty much governs my life now. And that's just, if you believe you can or can't, you're right. And yes. it really does come down to what you believe. Yes, exactly. I, I could not agree with that more. So you've said that strength training really taught you about resiliency. It taught you about life. But the problem is when we go through 
a difficult situation, what most people tend to do is they become inactive. They, they don't do anything because they're stuck. And do you think that when we stay stuck, when, when we're inactive, that that really does feed our emotional issues? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, when I when I went through that miscarriage, I didn't want to go back to the gym. That was the last thing on my mind. I wanted to sit on the couch and eat, you know, a personal frozen pizza and watch <laughs> reality TV. I, you know, I'm not some kind of superhero that's just like back in the gym the next day. I really didn't want to. But it was for so many years up to that point, it was kind of all I knew. And I knew that it had helped with my just mental health and overcoming almost anything that I had gone through. Um, something that was really, really powerful for me when I was researching this book was I spoke to um, two different women who work in um, what's called trauma-informed weightlifting. So they're working with people who've gone through a trauma and using weightlifting to kind of help them um, heal from that trauma, right? And trying to be able to react to them and work with them in the gym in a way that um, understands what they've gone through. So what one of them was sharing with me um, helped me understand that when I went back to the gym following my miscarriage, in order for me to lift, I had to trust my body again. And that was really difficult. So let's say I went for a heavy deadlift, right? And in order to do that, I have to take this deep breath in and I have to brace my core muscles. I have to press them up against this weight belt that I'm wearing. And if I'm going to lift that barbell and I'm going to make sure that my back is safe and my body is safe, I have to, in that moment, believe that this part of my body, my abdomen, which is a home to so much sadness and just feeling broken, I have to believe that place of weakness could also be a place of strength. And that is a huge, huge reason why weightlifting was healing for me. But that's such a great lesson in any aspect of someone's life, because that place of weakness is a place of strength if you allow it to be. Yes, absolutely. I like that. That's a good way to phrase it. So for someone who's listening to you right now, who is stuck, who is in pain, who needs to get moving again, what advice do you offer to help that person write a different life story? Yeah, I think for, you know, for me, it was strength training that, that got me back into it. But it was also running for a while. And it was going for walks. And it's really, you know, whatever, if, if it's something that doesn't bring you happiness, it's not going to be the thing that helps you heal, right? So if going to the gym and lifting weights isn't the thing that makes you feel better, um, that's not going to be it. But I, I can't stress enough how important just moving in some capacity is. Um, those Just getting out for a long walk on your own or with somebody else is really, really important. Um, feeling that kind of sensation of your muscles working, of your body working, of your body wanting you to get better, of your body wanting you to heal. I think that that's really, really important. And when it comes to strength training in general, I always say if somebody does want to get into that um, for any reason, I think one of the best things that you can do is start out by um, working one-on-one -on -one with somebody. I would not just recommend going and picking up a heavy barbell in your gym. Some of us, as we get older, we tend to think that the best is behind us. But you say that it's never too late to begin a strength journey. Can you tell us why and what should we be doing to not get hurt in order to make this happen? Yeah. Listen, as we get older, and especially as women, one of the things that we know, we know this to be true, is that we start to lose our bone density, right? Particularly after menopause. Um, when we start to lose bone density, first of all, that, we don't notice that. So you might think that 
that's not a problem for you, that that's not happening. But you don't notice it until something happens. And usually what that something is, is you've fallen. You break a bone. And that's the time where you start to lose your independence. And then you age really quickly, right? Because you can no longer live independently, do the things that you wanted to do. Um, And there's this combination of things where strength training is so important at that point in our lives. So it's the bone density aspect, right? We know that when we put weight on our muscles, on our bones, that it helps to rebuild bone density. That we know. We also know that it helps to rebuild and continue to build muscle, which as anybody gets older, men and women, we, um, we encounter something called sarcopenia, which is the loss of, loss of muscle mass and strength, right? When you combine those two things, you get into fall risks. You get into all kinds of other issues. So it's incredibly important. But again, that said, you don't have to join a CrossFit gym in your 50s and your 60s. You absolutely do not have to do that. Um, I, I always tell people, and I just mentioned this, that the best thing you can do is find someone one-on-one to work with. If that is not in the realm of possibility for you, small group fitness classes or small group training with a couple of friends is a great way to do it. Really what you want is someone who's a qualified professional to be looking at you and the way that you move and making sure that you're moving safely. Because the last thing you want to do is go too heavy or too hard and end up injuring yourself and putting yourself back in a situation you don't want to be in. Um, Beyond that, body weight work at home. So just doing some squats on your own, um, modified push-ups, that sort of a thing, and resistance bands, which are really low cost and provide really great resistance that will help you, again, work on building those muscles. Do you think as parents we should be encouraging our kids to get involved with sports? Will it help them to build resiliency? I'm so glad you asked that. I spent this morning literally writing an article about that. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I think it's incredibly important. Um, and, you know, that's that's any level of activity. Getting active with our kids and letting our kids also see us be active is incredibly important. It teaches them about, yes, resiliency. It teaches them about failure. Um, it teaches them good habits being active. You start to, when you take care of your body in that way, you start to take care of your body in other ways, right? You're going to work on getting better sleep, eating better. We create these healthy habits early in life for them. And by showing it, by us modeling it, it makes it more likely that they're going to do it because they just want to do what we're doing, at least at a certain age. I think when they're teenagers, probably not. I don't have teenagers. I have a five and a half year old and an almost four year old. So my kids are at the stage where they just want to do what I'm doing. Um, and I have seen with them the language around their bodies is so different. Um, they talk about being strong. I was looking at this video the other day of my five-and-a-half-year-old when she was, I think, three-and-a-half. She was carrying this huge stuffed teddy bear across the room to her sister. It was like twice her size. And as she lugs it across the room, there's two adults on either side of her trying to help her out. And she just goes, no, I'm strong. And there's this look of pride on her face when she finally gets it to where she wanted to bring it. Um, and that's, that is so important for her self-esteem, mm-hmm. for her self-worth, and for her confidence as she gets older. I know that we know that our kids are going to be exposed to other messages on social media. But if we can start them out with a good basis of understanding why moving our bodies is important and why love our bodies for how they move and what they can do versus how they look is incredibly important. Um, we set them up for just much better outcomes in life. Yeah, I have two sons that are much older than yours. They're late 20s, early 30s, and they were both athletes. And one of the things that, um, and, you know, there are different schools of thought on this, but I think it is important to allow the kids to lose in a sport because, you know, that saying of the agony of defeat, but you learn so much from that. And if we don't let our kids do that, if everyone gets a medal for participation, I think they're losing an important lesson that will teach them to become stronger. Yes. 
yeah, I agree. My older daughter absolutely hates losing. You know, she was the she was the only kid for the first two years of her life. So she's used to, you know, being first in a race against mommy. And I see it now when she loses to somebody else. It's really hard for her. Um, one of the things I try to model for her is letting her see me fail. So she'll be in the gym with me when I'm lifting weights. And if I, you know, miss a rep, I don't kind of gloss over it. I, I tell her what happened. Like, uh, you know what? Mommy's muscles weren't, you know, weren't working with me enough today for me to get that. But I just know that, you know, the stronger I get, the easier that will become next time. Um, I show her videos from competitions where I've come in dead last. I want her to see that. And I want her to see that I, I still get back out there and I keep going. The book is Secrets of Giants, A Journey to Uncover the True Meaning of Strength. If you would like to learn more about Alyssa and her work, you can visit AlyssaAgis.com. Alyssa, in about 30 seconds or less, what's the takeaway? The takeaway, I think, is that strength and the ability to know what your body is capable of doing will bring you a level of joy from all of the different things that I mentioned. So from learning failure and resilience, from beginning to love your body for what it can do, not how it looks, um, the joy of community when you do this with other people, all of those things. I think the biggest takeaway for me from all of this was just it just makes you happier whatever way you decide to approach it. Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. This is Conversations with Joan. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Do you feel lost on your journey to health and happiness? Then let us guide you on your path. Personalized actions towards health. Your path is a series of choices you act on every day. We guide you on a personalized journey of dietary, exercise, genetic, supplement, and lifestyle choices that lead you to optimal health and happiness. Often taking the road less traveled leads to liberation. Your path is personal. Your journey, like you, is unique. Take action today. Head to bestpathforme.com. Again, that's bestpathforme.com. Hi, doctor. Hello, business owner. Hey there, freelancer. Whose holidays is it anyway? Not a great sentence, but it is a true question. The public talks about the holidays, but we business owners know them as Q4, a very busy season for us when we make or break our revenue and profit goals for the year. Q4 is the best quarter of the year to get paid. As your debtors prepare for the holidays, they cash out Christmas or holiday clubs, or they may receive their annual work bonus. A smart plan to protect your profits is having a diplomatic third-party intervention system in place to connect with debtors. But it's more than that since business owners personally celebrate the holidays too. This is Vito Mazzi, your cash flow specialist with Kinem.com. I remember my first Q4 as a sales manager when one of my teammates came to a meeting after Thanksgiving and was very emotional as he explained that a business owner who had tested our system in early November had already gotten paid from two debtors, one of which was his largest. He told my associate, thanks. This year, my family will have a Christmas. I'm licensed, bonded, HIPAA compliant, and I can help your family have a great holiday too. Visit Kinnam.com forward slash Vito hyphen Mazza or call 800-850-5110. Do you get heart palpitations, cold or sweaty hands, nausea, shortness of breath, or have trouble sleeping? Do you have numbness or tingling in your hands or feet? 
you're not necessarily having a heart attack. You may have an anxiety disorder. Hi, I am Gail Gruenberg, CPOCD, Chief Executive Organizer of Let's Get Organized, an award-winning professional organizing company serving clients who live with chronic disorganization. Anxiety disorders are more prevalent than we know. According to the American Psychiatric Association, approximately 30% of adults in the U.S. live with some form of an anxiety disorder, like generalized anxiety disorder, phobias, PTSD, panic disorder, or OCD. Having some anxiety and stress are normal. Modern life can be challenging. A little anxiety can focus your attention on a task or alert you to possible danger. However, if you have an anxiety disorder, anxiety is pervasive and interferes with your ability to function on a daily basis. It can affect family relationships, school performance, social functioning, and career success. Its cause can be chemical, hereditary, or environmental, such as experiencing a trauma, working with a mental health practitioner, and a professional organizer trained in techniques to accommodate anxiety disorders can create soothing internal and external environments conducive to mitigating the physical, psychological, and social effects of anxiety. I'm Gail Gruenberg with Let's Get Organized. Working with you on-site or virtually, we are your brain's personal trainer for getting organized. If you're ready to train your brain to get organized, call us at 201-613-2733 or visit our website at lgorganized.com. You've put your heart and soul into writing a book. So, how do you reach your potential readers? Introducing the Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life book club, created for books that change lives. A book featured gets recognized. For more information, visit cyacyl.com slash book club. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. The preceding pre-recorded program sponsored by Maximilian Communications. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.